The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I had just arrived in London at 18 and spotted this movie marquee, Meetings with Remarkable Men. The film was about the philosopher Gurdjieff, but it was the title that spoke to me. I wanted to know people like that, people changing the world by the way they lived. I've sought them out ever since, and now we'll hear from many of them on the Victoria Moran podcast, Meetings with Remarkable Women. Welcome to the podcast. Your host, Victoria Moran, author of Creating a Charmed Life, Younger by the Day, and Main Street Vegan, invites you to conversations designed to help you thrive in your body, cozy up to your soul, and use your unique gifts to change the world. Now, here's Victoria. How do you feel about cooking? I remember a while back, I was profoundly in middle age. And either my husband or my daughter said very innocently, what's for dinner? And I had to stop myself from saying, fix your own darn dinner. Except if I hadn't stopped myself, I wouldn't have said darn. And that's when it hit me. I have cooked a lot in my life. I think I'm done. And yet, I still need to eat and people around me still need to eat and we want to eat healthfully. So how do we do that in a way that produces exuberance and joy and self-esteem and all the good stuff along with the very best in nutrition? My guest today knows all about all that kind of stuff and I'm so happy to be introducing her to you in just a moment. Hi, everybody. I am Victoria Moran and so thrilled that you are with us on today's podcast. You know, I had a food experience today and it just fits in so well with our wonderful guest. And I won't keep you uh, wondering who she is much longer. I'll tell you, in fact, right now she is Kimberly Campbell, Kim Campbell who is of the illustrious Nutrition Campbell family, and she is the food whisperer in the family. She is the author of wonderful cookbooks, and her latest is one that I am just absolutely loving, right down to the Irish soda bread, and that is Plant Pure Comfort Food. But what happened to me today was that I had a lot of meetings, a lot of business meetings and working from home, you know, it just seems like you can never go home (laughs) because it's always the office. And usually I try to think of something to do for lunch early in the morning and I get it in the crock pot. And today I just didn't do that. And it hit me right around 11. You know what? When you get off this next Zoom, you are going to want lunch and so is your husband. So I 
tried to do something. I did some baked tofu in the oven. I was following a recipe and it was a marinade and I thought, okay, that'll be fine. And I vaguely think that the recipe may have said to put some parchment paper on that baking sheet, but I figured, oh, who cares? It's nonstick. Well, at least it was when I bought the thing 20 years ago. So after the timer went off at 15 minutes, I went to get it out of the oven and it was this awful mess of black sticky stuff. But I pulled the black sticky stuff off and I turned the tofu over and I tried again. But the reality is sometimes it's hard to get it all in and fit it all in. And thank goodness we're going to be talking with somebody today who just might have some answers. Kim Campbell is the author of the Plant Pure Nation and Plant Pure Kitchen cookbooks. We talked about her newest book, Plant Pure Comfort, which is fabulous because comfort food is the best kind. And guess what? It can be healthy too. Kim is the Director of Culinary Education and Development at Plant Pure, where she works with her husband, Nelson, building an organization that promotes a whole foods plant-based diet. Nelson directed and produced the groundbreaking movie, Plant Pure Nation. Welcome, Kim. I'm glad to be here, Victoria. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here today more than ever, because <laughs> I really need some help in the kitchen, and you're the one who, who has that. So do you go by Kim or Kimberly? What do you prefer? I go by Kim. Okay, cool. So you married into celebrity, but I'm not sure you knew you were doing that at the time. So give us a little bit of your history. Who are you? Where do you come from? And then you fell in love and everything changed. Yes, I did not know what I was marrying into. I just knew that I was marrying someone that I loved and cared about. But I did not know about the um, the uh, the amount of popularity that Colin, my father-in-law, would have around him. So it's been kind of fun to be be in, a, in the front row seat to that. But um, who am I? Um, I am a person who grew up in upstate New York. Um, I'm the youngest of four kids. So I spent a lot of, and I have two sisters, and I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with the family, and we we cooked together. Um, and when I met Nelson, I was, my family was kind of flying the coop, I guess you could say, and I was the last one there. So it was pretty quiet at our house, but their family, Nelson has um, four siblings, and then he had a cousin that was living with him at the time. So when I went over there, it was such a treat because they were such a big family and they were a loud family and they were, they, they're all so different. So I, I, I think I fell in love with the family too, right along with Nelson, because they were really fun to be around. Um, but I was born on a dairy farm. My father was a dairy farmer, and then he went on to work for a cooperative extension at Cornell, and he educated dairy farmers. So that really was my world, um, meat and potatoes and a very traditional you know, lifestyle. So when I met the Campbells, and I was learning about you know, nutrition and Colin's research, that was all new to me. And I, I, it was brand new. So um, I went on to study nutrition in college because that was something I was really passionate about. Even before I met Nelson, I was always interested in culinary and food. Um, 
but I was very disillusioned and I decided to go into teaching. So when you ask me who I am, I think I'm a teacher. I'm a mother of three kids uh, who are grown adults now. I'm a wife of Nelson and um, I have two wonderful sisters. So I'm a sister and I'm a daughter. My mother is 88 and still alive. So that's my world right now, Victoria. <laughs> and, and Nelson's family is my world too. And it's been a really fun ride um, for the last 35 years, which is how long we've been married. But um, I don't know. I just never thought of us as being any different than anybody else other than that we were eating plant-based. That was really the only difference. So when you decided to go plant-based yourself, did you get any pushback from your dairy farming family? Oh, yes. I got a lot of pushback. Um, my father in particular was, he just didn't agree with it. He knew Nelson's father. Um, they worked, they both worked on, uh, on the campus and Nelson and I went to college together. So we were both students at Cornell at the time. And my father just thought, he thought I was crazy. You know, why would you do this? And um, I think he thought that it was fringe. It was extreme. And I remember that was back in the eighties and, and it, what really was at the time, that was not the nutrition that we, we had all learned about. So I got pushed back and you know, I tried, I cooked for my family a lot and they ate what I cooked, but my father didn't agree. Uh, particularly when we started having children, um, he was really upset about the fact that I would feed them primarily plant-based. So that, yeah, so it did create some ripples in the family. I think it's really important to think about things from other people's point of view. Even if we believe that we are absolutely doing the right thing for us and, and for the world and the animals and whatever kinds of, of reasons people have for, for changing their diet, but also that when we're talking with somebody, particularly somebody who has invested their livelihood in a way of living, that's a lot to ask somebody to give up. And I think just to, you know, share who we are and live how we wish but also understand that we can't know where other people are coming from or, or what the process is like for them. So I, I do thank you for sharing that. I had a similar experience with my dad, who was a physician, and he was ear, nose, and throat, but he kind of morphed into becoming a diet doctor over the years. And I had always been overweight as, as a child and young person or kind of off and on overweight because I did a lot of of bad dieting and extreme dieting. So I'd be thin for a while, but most mostly I was overweight. And then in my early 30s, I guess it was, I really got, got a handle on that, both with a 12-step program for the emotional aspects of how I was eating, and then also uh, discovered this, this way of eating, this plant-based way of eating. And everything was just wonderful. And I was trying to explain to my dad, and I think he he got the part about the plant-based more easily because he was an osteopath. And back in those days, osteopathic physicians were kind of, there still was a strong kind of naturopathic bent in their education. So I'm sure he knew about vegetarianism and stuff like that. I remember his 
business cards when I was really little had, had said that uh, among the mucus forming foods were dairy. And I thought it was glutton. I thought it was like, if you ate too much, you'd get a lot of colds, but you know, it was gluten. So that part he was okay with, but the the 12 step part, which for me, was really a, a spiritual turnaround. And he listened to me so politely, but then he just looked at me like he hadn't really heard. And he said, but Victoria, I know a lot of religious people who are still fat. So communication, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. So tell us a little bit about your culinary philosophy. You're such a prolific cookbook author. I just don't know how you come up with all this stuff. So what's your sort of philosophical starting point? Um, well, this cookbook actually defines my philosophy right to the core. And this is why I so enjoyed putting this book together. It's, it's probably going to be my last book. Um, I'll, I'll continue to write recipes, but it's the last time I'll probably put them in a cookbook for lots of reasons. But um, plant pure comfort food is what we called it. And, and I believe that if we don't make food familiar and we don't make food that traditional people, because growing up in a small rural town, we live in somewhat of a rural area right now. And we raise the kids in a rural area. The only way you're going to change those people is to take their existing recipes and kind of tweak them and change them. The food has to taste good. So I do use flavors. I use salt and spices, minimal salts, but um, I do use, I don't use any oil in the cookbook because I think you can, you can really get that from your nuts and your seeds and, you know, your higher fat plant foods. So I don't worry about that too much, but, but I really think that making food, traditional comfort food tastes good is the way you're going to walk people into it. And I, tried to tap into all the different cultures with this cookbook. So, you know, I made some, there's several Asian dishes, Middle Eastern dishes. I have a Spanish paella, I have Italian food. Um, I, you know, I really tried to tap into other cultures and I thought, okay, what is the most traditional food in that culture that everyone loves? Uh, falafels, for example, that's in the cookbook. Um, but I think that's how you get people to make change and to, to do this successfully. Um, and then be, you know, having, being a little bit forgiving. I think that as people begin to go plant-based, they make mistakes, they fall on their face and they do things that, you know, they admit that they're, they're not a hundred percent vegan or whole food plant-based, but that's okay. I think just allowing people to make those mistakes but if they're eating more plants and they're eating, you know, 80, 75, 80% more plants, I feel like, gosh, I've succeeded. I'd love to see everybody go 100%, but I don't know if that's really realistic. Well, you live in the real world. And I think sometimes some of us get in these bubbles where everybody does everything the way we do it. And mm -hmm. then we run into somebody who doesn't and they're the vast majority. And it's kind of shocking. You know, it's a little bit like when you see somebody smoking, which most people aren't doing anymore. But you see it and you think, oh, wow, some people still do this. But in terms of eating a, a standard American diet, that's what most people are doing. So we really are a minority and hopefully we're healthy enough <laughs> and, and 
kind enough that maybe we'll stand out and, uh, you know, get some attention. And certainly uh, your family and other uh, wonderful people in this movement have been doing that for a long time. So I love the idea of the comfort food, as I said before. And I know that you have had some words about some of the other elements within the whole food plant-based movement. And you've coined the term sacrificial eating. Well, I think I know what that is because I think I've done a lot of it in my life, but describe that to us and why you're not a fan. Um, because, you know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. This is not, I mean, the majority of people are not doing this. What is it like? 5% of the population is vegan. I mean, it might even be less than that. I don't know for sure, Victoria, but we always have to remember that the majority of us are not doing it. Um, but if we put parameters around this and we say, okay, you know, you really need to get rid of all oil, throw all the oil bottles out. I have, and it works for me, but I don't tell people they have to do that. Um, getting rid of all the salt in your diet, all the sugar in your diet, all the gluten, you know, all these things, everything has to be organic and or locally grown. You know, that's wonderful if we can do some of those things. But I think if I, if, you know, if my neighbor wanted to go plant-based and she's pretty traditional and I put up all these barriers, I don't think she would ever even consider it. So I think this SOS free and the gluten-free, although this cookbook is mostly gluten-free, I, I just think that we have to remember where people are, where they're coming from and kind of meet them halfway. So I guess that's what what I consider sacrificial eating. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love the voice of reason. And because I come from a history of, of overeating and, and obesity, I just remember all those diets when I was young, all the restriction. And to this day, and, and I've been free from that particular problem for almost 40 years, but I still, you know, when I, I come up against somebody who wants me to fast or eat only raw food or something like that. I, I'm that teenager again, who's being put on a diet by her doctor dad, you know, it just doesn't feel right. So I love the idea that we can have comfort foods, we can have familiar foods, and that they can be health promoting too. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit, Kim, about time and cooking and some of what I was talking about in my intro, I think a lot of people are working from home now and we're having to provide food for ourselves more often than maybe we were, were when uh, we were working out in offices or wherever. So how, how do you make it work in, in your real life? Do you cook these beautiful recipes a couple of times a day? Do you feed yourself and Nelson, all these amazing, beautiful dishes that are pictured in this book? Well, absolutely not. I don't do that every day, but so you have to remember my, my brand, I'm a foodie. So I, I love to cook and it's what I do um, to relax. I might turn some music on and, you know, cook and I'll cook a big batch of something I was cooking just before I stepped on the show. And I'll make something ahead of time. So then we'll have it for leftovers. But I don't spend hours and hours cooking three meals a day. I, I tend to have things made ahead of time. 
I do pull things out of the freezer and I shared that with you because sometimes I don't feel like cooking. I don't feel like going in there and, you know, being all creative and it's, it, 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 to me, it's a mood thing. So I, I am prepared for those moments though. We have quite a few um, frozen foods in our refrigerator. I mean, I, I buy frozen broccoli and frozen corn and frozen spinach and different blends. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've had a cold here. Um, but I, I have all of those things ready to go so I can just pull them out of the freezer. And on those days when I don't feel like cooking, I freeze a lot of extra soups and things like that. So I don't cook all the time and I'm definitely a moody cook and there's certain things I like it certain during certain seasons or during certain moods. You know, you always know when I'm having a bad day when there's spaghetti cooking, because for some reason I love spaghetti when I'm feeling a little down or just need a little, a little lift. But um, I think that's the key that the key for to being successful in plant-based is to be a little forgiving and, you know, just do the simple things and, and, and pull out the frozen broccoli and maybe throw a little bit of brown rice on it and, some tofu chunks and call it, call it lunch. <laughs> That's brilliant. So you said that you freeze a lot of soups. What are some soups that freeze well? You know, one of the things I learned in doing the frozen line that we have at Plant Pure is there's potatoes just don't freeze well. Um, we I rarely freeze anything that has potatoes in it. And if you're doing gluten-free pastas, I don't freeze those either because when they come out, they almost dissolve in the freezer. Um, so pretty much, I don't think there's anything that I don't freeze outside of that though, but but I'm real careful with potatoes and pasta, but I freeze um, vegetable soups and um, I have a cold cannon soup, which does have potatoes in it, but that one does freeze nicely. I freeze lasagna, I freeze burritos, anything that we have left over. And if I portion it, so it's, you know, feeds both of us we just pull it out and you know thaw it and stick it in the in the microwave and it works beautifully but always being prepared is the key even if you're not plant-based and you're eating healthy more mediterranean style i think that's something everybody should be doing it's, it's it also saves a lot of money too well let's talk about the money because i was just talking with my husband the other night that I have noticed in the past year that food has just gone through the roof. It just seems so much more expensive to me than it did a year ago. And people have always argued about plant-based, well, I can't do that, it's so expensive. So how, how are we expecting people to do this now when uh, those sticker shock experiences are a little more frequent? There's two things I notice in the in the grocery store, and that is the prepared foods are very expensive. Buying anything that's pre-prepared or processed, um, that will add to your bill. But just sticking with the whole foods, the potatoes and the rice and the beans, and you know, keeping it really simple. Uh, the other thing I notice with food is going out. We used to go out once a week and that was our date night and we'd go to a special restaurant and it's pretty hard to walk out of a restaurant um, with the two of us for less than $50, you know, 40 or $50. And it, to me, that's like several days worth of groceries. So we tend to cook in and, you know, we might make something kind of fun together, 
but we go out a lot less. If we do go out, we might just get like an appetizer and a glass of wine and not get all the food. So we've been really careful about that. It, it, it is, food has gotten very expensive, but sticking to unprocessed whole foods will save money for sure. Hmm. Well, it also saves money on the doctor. <laughs> so it works works both ways. So what is the common theme in your new recipes? I, I mean, I know we all evolve, like, you know, I write books, not cookbooks, but they, they just kind of, they evolve, but there's like a change in, in theme. So what's your current theme? Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You mean for this particular cookbook? Yeah. Well, it's, it's traditional comfort food. Um, you know, you know how this cookbook came about is when the pandemic first happened, um, people were, they weren't going anywhere and they were using, they were on YouTube and I decided to do cook-alongs. So bring everybody into my kitchen and we went live every Thursday night at 6.30, we went live for, we did that for 52 weeks, something like that. And it was nerve wracking at first. I thought, oh, I can't do this. What if I burn something or we, you know, we make mistakes. We had the best time and we had the same people come in and join us. And we had several people that cooked along and I had, I had my built-in testers right there. And they would email me later and say, you know, I took this recipe and I tweaked it and I changed it. And so I stole their ideas and put it on paper. And at the end of the year, I contacted Ben Bella and told them I had a cookbook and they were very excited. So I feel like this, the theme of this book was, was really, it came about because of my cook along friends. Um, they were very helpful and they kept telling me all along the way, can you just, can you write a book? can you put these in a book? And so I just started writing everything down, taking photographs and that's, that's really how it happened. Wow. That's so cool. I, I love how creative people get and, and how creative people got uh, during the pandemic. And when you said that you were worried that something might burn or whatever, I think about Julia Child. I mean, she didn't cook our kind of food, but she was just such a delightful person. And whenever something went wrong, it just made people love her more. Mm -hmm. We did have one night where I burnt the pizza oh. and my daughter was, my daughter was on with me and um, I, I pulled it out of the oven. It was all black on one side. And I thought, well, I just won't show people. And, and Laura looked at the camera and she said, she burnt the pizza. And I, oh. I said, why did you say that? She goes, oh, I thought it was so funny, mom. <laughs> well, and it's oh. so human. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, here's this woman who's really good at this and she's not perfect either. Hmm. It's nice. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't, you know, I, I kind of felt like I knew people. Um, so I, I got more comfortable the, the more we did it. Um, in fact, I just started last Sunday. I hadn't done it. I haven't done it in probably over a year. 
And I was so nervous. We just did a live. I made some Asian dumplings live. But once I got into it and, you know, got moving, it was it was kind of fun. So we're going to be doing live shows every week um, through YouTube and uh, people can cook with me and, and watch. So I'm getting back into it. I, I really enjoy the teaching part of this because people yes. have so many questions and it's not just always about food. Sometimes it's about, you know, your question about cost and, you know, what do you cook when you don't want to cook and you don't have anything to cook? Um, so what do you do? Right. And your YouTube is plant pure slash videos. Plant pure TV. YouTube. Plant pure TV. Your TV. Yeah. We have a lot of videos. In fact, some of the videos from the cook alongs that first year of the pandemic are in that channel. So you can find them there. Okay, cool. Well, we will put all that in the show notes at victoriamoran.com. I am loving YouTube. I, I have a little bit of a problem with social media in general because I'm not of the social media generation. I don't really understand it. But YouTube just seems to be a place where you really can be yourself and you can create these wonderful educational presentations and then people find them. So I'm so glad that you're going to be doing oh, more with yeah, that. YouTube. YouTube, you can learn anything on YouTube. In fact, I've, I've learned a lot of culinary things on YouTube. And I, and you, you know, I also learned about your bird on Instagram. So you are on social media and you have the coolest pigeon. I don't know if people know that about you, but I do follow that story. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so kind. Yeah. Thunder, the, the wonder pigeon. And now we just have a, a new little rescue dog, Rupert. And we knew he was a rescue. We didn't just know how needy of a rescue he wow. was, but he came from a hoarding situation. So it's just a lot. The poor little guy is afraid to go outdoors. So every walk is just, you know, it's an act of love and a, a big undertaking. And, you know, all the more reason for having ease in the kitchen, because when we bring something new into our lives, that time has to come from somewhere. And so being able to have some of your great recipes in the freezer, you know, that also helps with animal welfare. So what goes around comes around. So I want to talk with you, Kim, about this process of coming up with a recipe. So I have never really desired to come up with a recipe because there are so many great ones from people like you. But the process is fascinating, especially when somebody has written several books and we look at this new one and there are just so many recipes and they're all so good. So what's the process? Explain that creative niche that you're in. So I have um, I have way too many cookbooks and a lot of the cookbooks I have are not plant-based. So, you know, when you go to the supermarket and you get those little um, like I don't know, little Pillsbury magazines with all the casseroles and different things. I buy those all the time and they're not plant-based, but I start there. So I look at those recipes. There's several recipes in this cookbook that came from those type of magazines. And I see something like, so one of the examples was a lasagna stew. It was in a magazine and we were at the beach and I was looking at it and I thought, oh, I got to make that plant-based. So I started changing some of the ingredients, actually a lot of the ingredients. And then I ended up with something that was amazing. 
It was so good. And I've tried it before. And sometimes, you know, you get a disaster, but every once in a while you get something that really sings. So I tend to go to more traditional mainstream cooks and I try to figure out how to take their recipes and veganize them, I guess. I don't go to the vegan recipes as much because if I do that and I see something, then I feel like I got to copycat it. <laughs> and I want to make that same thing. I would rather copycat something that's more of a traditional recipe. And then um, like the lasagnas do, when I came up with something I thought was amazing, I went and I looked at what, what are the vegan people doing with lasagna stew? And then I looked at it and I went, Oh, you know, so I made a couple of little tweaks here and there, but that's, that's my process. I, you know, my husband laughs at me because I'll be on a YouTube channel with somebody like a Julia Childs, just really digging in and, and enjoying their recipe, but definitely not plant-based. Um, I, you know, Bobby Flay, I love Bobby Flay. <laughs> So what are some tips for somebody who maybe has, you know, their mom's recipes, some family recipes? So tell us, what, what do you do for eggs? What do you do for cheese? What do you do for beef or chicken? Just right. some general suggestions. Okay, so we'll start with meat because that's always the first substitute you're going to have to make. So if it calls for chicken or beef, I will flip it out with butler soy curls. Um, those are amazing. I don't know if you've ever had those, Victoria, but they're they're really very meaty and they're made with 100% soybeans, organic soybeans. And they just, to me, they mimic chicken really nicely. Um, I use, sometimes I use walnuts and cauliflower if I'm trying to create uh, like a, a taco filling, maybe lentils, lots of beans. I love all kinds of beans. Um I don't use a lot of the vegan meat products because they tend to have a lot of oil in them. They're highly processed. They're expensive. It's a lot of salt and sugar and all that stuff that we don't want to, that we want to try to avoid as much as we can. Um, and then for cheese, that's my weakness, finding substitutes for cheese. Oh yeah. That was something was really important to me. I make a cheese sauce, um, a basic cheese sauce. And so I use that anytime something calls for cheese, I don't really buy the processed cheeses because they're pretty expensive. If I do, it's for a treat. Uh, I use nutritional yeast flakes. I make my own yogurt. So I use uh, probiotic tablets and I put them in my soy, soy milk and then I strain it and I get something that, that is so close to cream cheese and season it up. So I honestly don't feel dairy. I have not missed. And of course, there's so many plant-based milks out there to choose from. There wasn't 25, 30 years ago, but there is. No. Um, so, so we did dairy, we did meat, um, eggs. I have to say, if if you if you miss omelets and scrambled eggs, it's really tough to replace that. I do do a scrambled tofu, which I think is pretty good. I like it. It's definitely not scrambled eggs. Um, I don't have a substitute for that, but I do if you're baking and you want things to hold together and. Um, congeal you you might want to use chia seeds or flax meal and water just make a little slurry goopy slurry and sometimes that really helps with baking um, and you're using a banana and some yogurt but but those are basic substitutions I have a whole book on substitutions I probably should write a cookbook on substitutions because if you have those in your you know your 
pantry, you can you can make almost anything. I love how you think. That's really <laughs> cool. Thank thank you, Kim, and thank you for just these very practical kinds of ideas. And I loved how you said, you know what, the omelet and that that's going to be tough. I mean, I've had things like that in vegan restaurants, and they're wonderful. I don't know how whole food they were. But in a way, I'm kind of glad I don't know how to make that because when I do want to go out and have something remarkable, there's a restaurant here in New York City called The Organic Grill, and they do an omelet made from Yuba tofu skin, oh. and it's really, really good. But, you know, I'm kind of glad I don't know how because then I would want to have that for breakfast instead of oatmeal, and oatmeal is better. All right, you just you just got my wheels turning. I did not know you could do that with Yuba because I do I do like omelets. Um, we 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 played around with the just egg just recently just for fun. I bought some and it was very expensive. Oops, sorry. It was very expensive, but it was also very um, fatty and and rich. But but I definitely enjoyed making my omelet with just egg. So yeah, there's some great products out there that can really replicate an egg or meat, but I don't know if it's very health promoting. But but you know, right. if if someone's new to this, and and if that's the only way that they can walk into being plant based, I say it's okay. I think I think it's okay. You know, it's it's better to to do that and eat more vegetables than to not do it at all. So we have friends who eat a lot of those kinds of products and, you know, they're not eating the animals, they're helping the environment and maybe they'll get more, they'll lean more into whole food plant-based. Yeah, I love that. And there's one thing for me coming from the ethical vegan side, I, I feel like I want to share this information and kind of shout it from the housetops, but on the health side, I will certainly share it but I don't want to shout it because yeah. people have autonomy and it, it seems odd to say, well, people should have the autonomy to make themselves sick, but people should have the autonomy to make their own choices. Mm -hmm. And sometimes being an example is maybe the best thing we can do. I think that's, yeah, very well said. I agree. So I want to talk a little bit about your marriage, uh, but not not in that way. I don't need to ask you personal questions. Okay, we can but, talk about marriage. <laughs> well, let's, I mean, your your kids are grown. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, you know, you're back in that first stage of marriage where it's just the two of you. You're involved in the, the same kind of work. I mean, you have this wonderful plant pure mission. You've got the plant pure food business. Uh Nelson is doing another movie, which is a huge amount of work. So how do you guys navigate the, you're still here? Yeah. And I see you a lot kind of thing. You know, we, you know, we didn't always work together. I was teaching in schools and he was doing jump starts and working on Plant Pure Nation. And I decided, because teaching and raising kids was, oh, that was overwhelming at times. So I decided to partner up with Nelson and, and, and I loved it. I loved every bit of it. But when our kids, when our last one left home and went to college, it was so um, 
well, it was sad, right? I cried a little bit and then we got home and we realized it's just the two of us. And it has been so nice. And I, I, you know, we looked at each other and said, this is why we married each other. (laughs) You forget that when you get all wrapped up in your kids and your jobs and your careers, when you become an empty nester, to me, it was just why we married each other. So I would say the last 10 years have been really nice. We just, um, our, our youngest just got married. So we are definitely empty nesters, but I love our time together and we are together all the time because we both work from home. And um, I, I, I don't know, I, I would have to say our marriage and our relationship now is stronger than it's ever been. And I think it's because I understand so much of his world and he understands so much of my world. It's not like we're going out to different careers and coming back to see each other. It's not to say it's perfect. I mean, nothing's perfect, but I, I really love our life that we have together. Um, and, and these are the years that I want to start traveling and we're young we have lots of energy I keep telling them we need to hit the road <laughs> but we have two dogs so it's, it's it's a little hard to get out sometimes but yeah oh, that, it's just so lovely to hear about your life and I do relate to a degree because my husband and I share the this thing about you know the food about the animals and it would be harder if we didn't. And I know a lot of people and probably a lot of people listening, you know, don't have that. They're they're relating to their spouse on certainly other things, but but the food can be hard for some people. And I just always want to acknowledge that if you're somebody who's having to, you know, cook two meals or, you know, and any of these kinds of things that some people have to go through, that's tough and you are amazing to do it. If, somebody you know, that, that's the reality victoria you know we did we did this in nelson's new documentary it's called from from food food to freedom um you know we had people that went that lived with us um in, in the immersion for 10 days and one of the things that we touch upon is you know if you're with people who are all plant-based and you know you're surrounded by that you're going to be successful but when you go back home and you're living with people who are eating meat and dairy and don't understand why you're doing it. It's, I'm not going to say it's impossible. It's just very, very challenging. And a lot of people have asked how many people that during the immersion in the first film, Plant Pure Nation, how many of those people stayed plant-based? I don't know. We didn't follow all of them, but I, one in particular who was in the film, who, who was at my house and I was teaching her how to do this. And she had so many results. And then she went back home and she just didn't stick with it. And it was because she just didn't have the support. Yeah, the support means everything. So again, that that film is called From Food to Freedom. Yes. And when will it be out? It's coming out in February and um, we will let everybody know. It's, it's, I'm not sure the exact date, but many people have already seen it. We're going to start having our pods uh, screen it as well, but I would I would say in another four weeks it'll be available. Oh, I can hardly wait! I love our documentaries. It's it just pop- feels pop- like I I feel so happy to be in a movement with so many wonderful filmmakers. So, how do you feel about the plant based movement going forward? Do you have New Year's optimism? I do, I do. I I think the world is. I think we are moving in this direction, and. 
And I'm not, I'm not immersed with all plant-based people. So I'm in my community doing, you know, I'm, I'm at church and I'm around other people that are not plant-based, but I do think that there is this need for people to learn. I, more people have asked me questions who weren't plant-based than ever. So I do think we're right. We just have to get our physicians and really pushing this and we need to get our government, we need to get these recommendations out there so that, so that people know. I thought yes. the pandemic was going to do that. I was really, in the very beginning, I said, if there's one thing that will come out of all of this, maybe people will take it seriously, you know, take their health seriously and make those changes. Um, that was, did not turn out the way I had hoped. <laughs> oh, I remember when the Dean Ornish work came out in 1990, and I think preliminary stuff a little bit before that. And I remember thinking, well, then it's been decided. Yes. I mean, maybe we have a ways to go on leather shoes and some of these other things about animals. But in terms of the way that human beings are going to want to eat for their own well-being, that's just done. Yeah. And it's like, oops, <laughs> not quite. But it is for some of us. You know, I think some people are early adapters and, and it's just easier for them to say, oh, this makes sense. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. So as our time together winds down, Kim, I've just got a couple more questions I don't want to leave you without asking. So I know that Plant Pure is launching a new culinary program, which sounds really, really cool. And you had a heavy hand in creating that. Is this the YouTube that you're talking about or something different? No, this, is, this, is a, this is a new dry line. So I'm a little tentative because we're not sure when it's, you know, as soon as you tell people, they want to know when it's going to be available. And our goal was to make it available when the film came out. Um, so let's cross our fingers and hope that happens. But I created a dry line that I've always wanted to create because I feel like people really need to have that in their pantry. I created, it was predominantly sauces. So I, I built the cheese sauce and you just add water. Um, I made an enchilada sauce, which you just add water for a mushroom gravy, a coconut curry sauce, a peanut sauce. And then I made a veggie, a veggie, sort of a veggie burger blend, which is to me, it's the best veggie burger I've ever had. Uh, and I love it and I use it all the time. Then I wanted to create a dessert. So I came up with a cookie, a cookie mix, which can be made into muffins. You could make um, a fruit crisp with it. So the idea was to have all of these dry packs that are essentially mostly sauces. And then every pack has between five and 10 recipes that go with it. So if you buy the kit or the, the all of them, you also get the free recipes that go with it. So my head has been in this cookbook, but I've also jumped ahead and been really focused on this dry line. So I'm hopeful that it comes out when the film comes out and you'll all have it. I love this dry line. I use it all the time. I mean, I make a veggie loaf with the burgers. I make taco soup with the enchilada sauce. I'm trying to think of some things that I do in the cheese sauce, you can do a thousand things with the cheese sauce, um, a New England chowder. There's just, it's just a very creative line of food. So, well, I can hardly wait because I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like, I can be creative once a day, <laughs> but, but the other time I need something that comes in a package. So I hope that that comes out as 
soon as possible. If it doesn't quite come out as soon as the film, we can be patient. So did we find out about this at plantpurenation.com? Yeah, it'll be at Plant Pure Nation. But but Victoria, I would love to have you test some of it for us. Um, you would be a great tester because you and your husband are both plant-based. So I'm going to keep that in mind and maybe you'll find some packs on your doorstep. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh I, I love that idea. Thank you. It's like, see, we thought Christmas was last month. Mm-hmm. Not only. Mm-hmm. So finally, finally, you have such a gentle way about you. And I think that lots of times people get so enthusiastic about this. We want to share it with other people, but we don't want to come off as coming on too strong and that. So how do you carry the message to people who think this is extreme or not for them or whatever they might be thinking? You know, modeling it and and, and waiting for people to ask you questions. I, I I have to, I have been a little bit more outspoken. Uh, there was a there was a fellow one time I was at a conference and he um, he had a brain tumor. Um, it was it was melanoma based and he was on a keto diet, and he said it was but had it had been very effective for him. I couldn't help it. <laughs> he I I took all the books I could take to him and I shared with him everything I know and you know he's gone 100% plant-based and he's still living and he's healthy and he feels like this has really helped him a lot. So, so sometimes I step over that boundary and you kind of, you kind of sense when you can do it and when you can't. Um, I tell my story about my father in the cookbook and I, I don't mind sharing a little bit of it, but my father was just very adamant that he was not going to be on a plant-based diet, but he died of colon cancer. But in the end, the last few months, he really did want to try it. He was reading some books and he uh, had kind of an epiphany and he said, I I really want to try this. Can you help me? And I did. And I went up there and, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't, it was, it was kind of too late for that. He had already had the treatments and the surgery and, but I, I still did it with him. And I, I think, just being very respectful of people, you'll kind of know when you when you have that window that opens up, take it. But I think the most important thing is to respect and honor. And, and with my dad's, my relationship with my dad, looking back, I um, he and I, we had too many squabbles that didn't need to happen. And I wish they didn't happen. But in the end, it was okay. But most important thing is, you know, to love people, respect people. And, and, you know, you'll know, you'll know when you have that window, you'll feel it. (laughs) What a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you, Victoria. This is wonderful to chat. Wow. I think we're all going to be eating a whole lot better after that. Isn't she lovely? I just really, really enjoyed that. Sometimes when I talk to somebody that I'm that fond of and we don't live close by, there's just a little bit of sadness because whenever you like somebody a lot, you want to just be able to invite them over and certainly in her case, maybe cook together. So that was kind of a long interview. So I don't want to spend a lot of time. I respect your time. I know you're really busy. Just want to let you know about a couple of things. One is in case you made New Year's resolutions and they're not looking so good. I know that sometimes happens about this time of year. We have a whole new time 
to resolve and to start over. And that is the Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year coming on January 22nd. It's year of the rabbit, just another new beginning. I mean, every day is a new beginning. And also on January 22nd, that is when the Compassion Consortium will meet. If you've never stopped in at the Compassion Consortium, I hope that you will check us out. We are an interfaith, interspecies spiritual center for people who care about animals. So we're going to be talking about the Baha'i faith with our wonderful special guest on the 22nd. And we're also going to be hearing from a woman who has a micro sanctuary for chickens and a wonderful game, a wonderful card game called Rescue. It's like a trivia game. So you can uh, see um, how much you know about dogs, cats, cows, pigs, and chickens. And actually, we'll put the link in the show notes at victoriamoran.com um, to that game in case that would be of any interest. And the Compassion Consortium uh, website is Compassion Consortium, or some people say consortium.org. And you can check out the service coming up, past services. We're also going to have something fun in February. Uh, Maya Gottfried is going to be on talking about her book, Vegan Love. So we do a book and film night every now and then uh, through the Compassion Consortium. So all that is going on. And I invite you certainly to subscribe to the newsletter and blog at MainStreetVegan.com. You know, I thought when I switched the podcast to Victoria Moran and I've got a nice spiffy Victoria Moran site for, for me as an author, VictoriaMoran.com, hope you'll visit, but I just don't have the bandwidth to be doing blogs and newsletters from two different websites. So the blog and the newsletter still and will for the foreseeable future come from MainStreetVegan.com. So I hope that you check that out and, and maybe subscribe and become part of the family. Another way you can become part of the family of this podcast is with our Facebook group, Victoria Moran Podcast Listeners. And the final announcement that I have today is Acing Age with Ayurveda. This is a two-day retreat via Zoom, experiential, with a wonderful guest a presenter. She's not confirmed yet, so I'm not going to tell you who she is, but she's fabulous. And we're just going to learn all about Ayurveda for that second half of life. So you'll probably love it if you're over 40. If you're over 50, you'll just think it's the best thing that ever happened. And that's a promise. So if you want to check it out, you can go to tinyurl.com slash ageless Ayurveda, A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A. So Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge. So this is a wonderful ancient Indian healthcare system still recognized by the World Health Organization as a viable discipline for healthcare and self-care. And I've just got to say, we were talking today about comfort food and this wonderful uh, plant-based comfort food cookbook. But the whole system of Ayurveda seems to me to be about comfort. It's about really loving yourself to health by being just so, so kind to yourself 
And isn't that what we all want to be doing every day? So thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Now uh, go out and be remarkable. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can learn more about Victoria or contact her at victoriamoran.com. Be part of her inner circle by joining the Victoria Moran Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. And if you're a vegan looking to up your game, check out Victoria's acclaimed training and certification program, Main Street Vegan Academy, at MainStreetVegan.com. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.